of faith in him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So thankful that Kyle's dad, Big Kyle, comes to be baptized. We have Big Kyle, Little Kyle. And what a privilege it is to be able to baptize you and your son. That's sweet. What a privilege it is to be able to baptize this father and son together on this special day. And Kyle, I ask you, as I did your son, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. And upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So thankful today that Hayden Wilson comes to be baptized. It was my privilege a couple of Sundays to go to meet with Hayden and his stepbrother Bryson in my office, along with great grandparents to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful that these two young men have asked Jesus into their hearts and now are following through with the leader's baptism. Hayden, I ask you, as I did the others, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so thankful that Bryson Dempsey comes to be baptized. Bryson, what a special day this is that you and Hayden could be baptized together. We celebrate with you and your family. Bryson, I ask you, as I did Hayden, is Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior? Yes. And upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Rejoicing in heaven over these four who have made their public professions of faith and, and now, Father, following through believers' baptism. 
Hey, this is just be the very beginning of living a long and holy life for Jesus. I pray that their baptism would be a witness to others who need to give their hearts and lives to you and follow through believers' baptism. We love you, Lord, and we commit this service to you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It's my honor and my pleasure to be able to welcome you here today. Thank you for joining us for worship. We're so glad you're here. If you're a guest, we welcome you. And I always say every week there's a gift for you out on the Welcome Center, but I think we're out of gifts, so you can pick it up another time. Uh, just go by the Welcome Center anytime, and uh, I think we're going to have to order some more of those gifts. Uh, and that's a good thing because that means they're all gone. People have been taking them, and we want you to do that. But thank you for uh, choosing to worship with this church family today. Uh, again, we welcome you. We pray that you feel God's presence in this place today as we worship him in spirit and in truth. For those of you who have joined us by live stream, we welcome you and thank you for joining us here today. And we pray for you as well that you feel God's presence as we worship him. Take a moment to greet those around you and then we'll join in singing at Calvary. <laughs>
worship team leads us, you continue to join as we lift our voices in praise.
What a beautiful and powerful song that we can come to the altar just as we are with our brokenness and our pain and our sorrow and our grief and our depression and our sin or with our praise and our thanksgiving and our joy and know that God meets us right where we are. And I'm so grateful every week there's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves before an almighty God and to come to this altar. You can kneel, you can stand, you can pray for yourself, a family member, a friend, to just cry out to God. He knows what's going on even before we tell him. But we are to ask and to seek and to knock. And this morning, I invite you to come join me at this altar as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? together God how wonderful it is to be in your house to sing praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be able to cry out God in our praise and thanksgiving and to cry out in our greatest need and pain and God I pray your blessings upon every person here I pray your blessings upon those who are watching today some maybe away on fall break some maybe God are shut in at home others God maybe live hundreds of miles away yet they're worshiping with us this morning bless them I pray father today not only do we come with grateful hearts but we also come with heavy hearts father we've yet lost so many others in this church family and extended church family Father, we pray for Pat Pennington and the loss of her husband, George, that you would comfort the Pennington family. God, that you would be with the Sutton family and the loss of their dad. And Lord, just this morning to receive the news that Gloria Wisman passed away, would you bless Chris, her son, and her family, God, and comfort them. And Father, I pray for Valerie Mays, and the loss of her sister, Tanya McMillan, and ask that you would comfort this family as they grieve. Father, I pray for folks that are in the hospital that need your divine healing touch. And I pray if it be your will to perform a miracle of healing because you are able. Father, I pray for people who are going through private pain. It might be a battle with an addiction. It might be a relationship issue. It might be a, a work-related issue. It might be financial. Maybe they're under spiritual attack. Father, we pray for those families hurting from the hurricane in, that you would just bring comfort to those who have lost everything and lost their loved ones. And I pray, God, that you would just bless them and may they feel your peace even in the midst of this storm. 
Father, we just pray for folks in this room and watching that are going through a storm in their lives. And I pray that they might look to you and have faith in you because you're the only one that can bring us through the storms of life successfully. Father, I just pray that you would just be with our country, that our nation would turn back to you because you are our only hope that you'd bring revival and spiritual awakening and may it begin in each of our hearts in the heart of your church. May we, oh God, humble ourselves and pray. And Father, I just ask today that if there are those here who have never accepted Jesus Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior or someone watching that's never made that commitment, that even today, they might come to know Jesus, that they would confess their sin, ask for forgiveness, and invite you to come in to begin this lifelong, eternal journey. Father, we just give you praise from whom all blessings flow. Thank you for the four that were just baptized. Bless them as they grow in your likeness. Bless their families, and may we encourage them and love them as we all grow to be more like Jesus. So, Father, continue to have your way through this service. Sing and play through the choir and instrumentalists and speak through your word and your servant. And again, when I am weak, then may I be strong in and through Christ. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things by faith in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Romans chapter 13? And as you're doing that, I'm grateful that the choir will be coming to lead us after the reading of God's Word. Thank you all for being here. Thank you to our instrumentalists and our worship team for leading so beautifully. And thank you all for coming today. What a great day it is to be in the Lord's house. Beginning with verse 11 of Romans 13. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Beautiful. If you don't hear anything I say the rest of the day, get that message. Jesus loves you, and he loves me, that he would be willing to die on an old rugged cross to save us from our sin. How grateful we should be every single day of our lives because of the grace and mercy he has shown us. So I hope you heard that message. You know, I like to start with something on the light side, and Maybe you heard the story about little eight-year-old Johnny who was spending the night with his grandma. And little Johnny thought he would surprise his grandma by waking up early the next morning to fix her a cup of coffee. And so his little Johnny uh, went into his grandmother's bedroom and, and he took her her cup of coffee. He woke her up and he was so proud of himself and and the grandmother woke up and says, oh, I, I didn't expect this. Well, she started drinking that coffee. It was the most bitter, worst coffee she had ever had in her life. But she didn't want to disappoint little Johnny because he was so pleased with himself, so proud. And so she continued to, to sip down that bitter coffee. Well, when she got down to the bottom of that cup, it was the strangest thing. There were three little green army men in the bottom of the cup. And she kind of, Johnny, what in the world is this in my cup? And he said, well, Grandma, you know, like they say on TV, uh, the best part of waking up is soldiers in your cup. Thank you for working with me on that one, so. <laughs> How many of you would call yourself a morning person? Would you, I see a few hands. A morning person. When we think of a morning person, we think of someone probably who wakes up early, someone who wakes up in a good mood, someone who is an eager-to-go-get-em type person that they have energy, there's enthusiasm, they're talkative, they might listen to music, they might be singing music in the morning, and, and maybe that's who you are. You're a morning person. You're ready to start the day. Get up and go. Let's feet hit the floor and I'm ready. And then there are those of you who are not morning people, and maybe you're more of a night owl. A night owl is the opposite of a morning person. A night owl, they don't really like getting up in the morning. They're kind of grumpy in the morning. They really don't want to talk to anybody. They're like, get out of my way. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. And you find that you thrive at nighttime. But it takes you maybe till noon before you say your first word or ready to speak. So either you're a you're a morning person or, or you're a night owl. And, and you can think about that as we uh, talk this morning, what kind of person that you maybe are. But in our scripture today, we see Paul writing the church at Rome. He's believed to have been in Corinth on his third missionary journey when he wrote to this church where he had never been, and yet a church was born there. And Paul was wanting to establish the basic plan of salvation, and that after surveying the sinful condition of people, 
He came to the understanding that everyone needs salvation. We all need to be saved. And the message was for both Jew and Gentile alike. The message of salvation is for anyone who will believe on the name of Jesus Christ. But in this particular section that we read today, Paul's being even a little bit more specific. He's warning about the end of the present age. Even more specifically, he's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. You all know Jesus is coming back, don't you? And we need to be ready. And Paul, in these verses, really, he's trying to encourage the church at Rome and you and me to live a godly life in an ungodly world. How challenging is it for you and me to live a godly life in an ungodly world? But yet that's what we're called to do, to live a godly life. And so today my prayer is, is that you would want to get your house in order. You'd want to get your life together. That you would want to be the best you can be through Jesus Christ because we're not promised tomorrow. So that's why we need to get things right while we have life and breath. And Paul gives some basic steps for us to help us to get our lives on track, to, to get us to where we need to be in our relationship with Christ. And the first thing he tells us to do is, is we need to wake up. It's to wake up. Now, if you would read in verse 11, it said, and so do this, understanding the present time. We are to wake up from our slumber because our salvation is nearer to us than it's ever been before. When he said, and so do this, understanding the present time, if you would go up and read the preceding verses, the so do this part, he's talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. Let no debt uh, remain outstanding except to love one another. And then he talks specifically about keeping the command commandments and to love one another. And so do this, understanding the present age, an evil age, an age of wickedness, an age of ungodliness. So we are to wake up. When he says wake up, he's talking about from our spiritual slumber. He's talking about opening our eyes from our spiritual complacency and our apathy. And he's challenging us to wake up spiritually, have our spiritual eyes open. Don't you think we need our spiritual eyes open today? That maybe we have grown complacent and we have grown cold in our relationship with the Lord, we are to wake up from our spiritual slumber. Because your salvation, he said, is nearer than it's ever been before. Well, really there are three levels of salvation. First of all, We've been saved by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is called justification. Just as if we have not sinned, Jesus saved us through his blood that was shed on that old rugged cross. But then we are continually being saved. And this is called sanctification. 
That's the process of being holy, to be set apart, to be different, to be holy because he is holy. We are to constantly, Paul said in Philippians 2, 12, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We are constantly being cleansed and we are constantly striving to be holy because he is holy. But then the ultimate final stage of our salvation process is glorification. That's when we'll rise to be in heaven, resurrected with the Lord in that perfect state. And so know this, we must first accept Christ and be saved spiritually to know that, hey, he's our only hope. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But we are to wake up because we don't know when the Lord's going to return. In Mark chapter 13, verses 32 and 33, but about that hour, no one knows the day or the time, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so we are to be prepared. And he says in verse 36 of Mark chapter 13, and if the Lord comes suddenly, then we need to be alert and to be sober and watching because we don't know when he's going to come. And that's very much what he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6 too. When he comes, may he not find us sleeping as others are sleeping, but be awake and sober. And so we are to be spiritually alert and awake because we don't know when he's going to come back. But there are some of you here today, and maybe you are the type person that you walk in your sleep. There are a lot of people who are sleepwalking today. I'm talking spiritually. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the little g God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers and I believe he blinds even a lot of believers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The devil is causing a lot of people to be dead men and dead women walking. They are in a spiritual slumber. And then there are some people that talk in their sleep. And I believe there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians that are not talking like a Christian should, not living like a Christian should. Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only for what is helpful for meeting people's needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me ask you, are how you're living right now and the words you're saying bringing glory to Jesus? Are you proud of how you're living and the way you're talking knowing that you have a relationship with Christ. And let me ask you, are people hearing you and seeing you and questioning whether you know the Lord? Or maybe you're here and you're just ignoring and snoring. You're ignoring and you're snoring the words of truth. Now, I've told you this. I, I really pray maybe when my children are grown and out of that, I might write a book. And 
some of you may be in the book, but I'll change the names <laughs> to save, to protect the guilty. <laughs> no, I can't make this stuff up. I've told you these things before, but years ago I was doing a pre-marriage counseling session with a couple in my office. And, you know, there's not a big crowd. There's three of us in the room. The the groom and the bride-to-be sit on the, the love seat. <laughs> and I'm, I'm speaking to them in my chair over there, and I, I often will, you know, ask them some questions, you know, what would you tell me your definition of love? Well, love, love is, it's this feeling. <laughs> but after a while, we get, talking about more important things about relationship with Jesus and that the triangle, if Jesus is at the top and if we're growing closer to him, that's going to bring you closer together. I wasn't 10 minutes in. I looked over and the groom-to-be was... (laughs) He was asleep. I'm not making it up. And I stopped for a second. I thought, is he really asleep? I mean, I hadn't really gotten started, just like some of you when I'm preaching, I'm just getting started to look at it. I know maybe you had a rough night or didn't sleep, and I didn't sleep at all last night. But anyway, that's a song. But the fact is, I couldn't believe that such an important time in his life, he was sleeping That's how important it was to me. Guess what? That marriage didn't last any time. I was so mad at myself because I knew it wasn't going to last, and I thought, if anything ever like that happens again, I'm going to say, you got to find somebody else to do your wedding if it's not that important to you. And then let me go on and tell you, this doesn't have anything to do with that, but this is just another. I I maybe told you all that you can't make this stuff up. Years ago, one of our members asked me if I would do a co-worker's wedding. I said, sure. And we were still over at the little church, the chapel. And and so I had never met the couple. I was doing it as a favor for one of our members to marry their co-worker. And so we met for pre-marriage counseling in what used to be uh, the, the, the women's Sunday school class that Nola Reed taught off the back of the sanctuary over to the right. Well, we met in there. I didn't have an office to do counseling, so we were meeting in the classroom, and and uh, I sat down with the couple and introduced myself, and I said, it's so so nice to meet you all. And I said to the, to the guy, I said, now tell me, how, how long have, have you all been dating, or how long have you been engaged? He goes, oh, I ain't the one getting married. Billy had to work. I'm his fill-in. He sent a fill-in to pre-marriage counseling. I said, are you serious? I said, well, we can't meet you all. I said, I'm sorry. I, I really can't meet with his buddy. People wouldn't believe it. You know, it's true. It, it is really true. I hope that marriage lasted. I don't know. Maybe Billy's friend has been helping out. I don't know, but 
<laughs> that didn't sound right either, but anyway, <laughs> sorry. Forget to race that, race that, race that, race that thought. You all stop, we're gonna have to close the service down. But not, and this is appropriate, we are to wake up, wake up from our spiritual complacency. And then secondly, we are to wash up. We're to wash up after we get up, after we wake up, then we have to wash up and we get cleaned up. And as we read on in our passage of scripture, it says that the night is nearly gone and the day is almost here. And therefore, we are to put aside our dark deeds. And then if you would read on, and that, that's in verse 12, and then he goes on to, to list some in verse 13, that we are to live decently as in the daytime. And then he says, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, which is uncontrolled living, not in dissensions and jealousy. And the list could go on and on about people that are living in deeds of darkness. And I don't know what your struggle is and what you need forgiveness from in your life. It might be that you have an anger problem. And you go off just like that, and everybody has to walk on eggshells around you because you have a real anger issue. And everybody knows when you come in and you've got that look, we better get out of the way. Or maybe you're here and you have a chemical dependency. It's a drug or an alcohol struggle. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you have a real problem, a bad problem. You need to ask God to help you with that. Maybe you're here and you struggle with lust or pornography and you need to ask God to deliver you to repent and to turn away from those things that keep bringing you down and your thoughts down. Maybe it is unforgiveness. You have held on to a grudge against a family member or friend and it's really harming your relationship with others. You need to repent. Now I want to share something with you today that I've been praying about and I don't know if y'all have noticed, the last few weeks I've been tackling some not-so-easy topics. And I just want to be honest and upfront with you about, number one, what God's Word says. And I never want to apologize for what the Word of God says. But what I do never want to do is cause anyone to, to be upset, but the Word of God is offensive to people who want to live in the world because they don't want to hear the truth. And, uh, but I tell you, it's been, a, it's been on my heart and even had one of our church members to mention something to me and I prayed about it, but um, abortion has been a big issue going on right now in our state and around our country. And, and uh, you know, I, I looked up some figures research, the CDC and the Guttmacher Institute said since 1973, there have been estimated 63 million abortions in the United States. 63 million, that's an average of over 600,000 abortions a year. And even in our own state, Kentucky, Kentucky today reported 
that there were 4,300 abortions in the state of Kentucky this, this past year. And I want you to know this, this isn't a political discussion, this is a biblical and a spiritual discussion today. And it is biblical. Because the sixth commandment, which is found in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 17, says, you shall not kill. You shall not murder. And then if you would read on over in Psalm 139, 13, and 14, the psalmist David said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then if you would read on in verse 16, it said, Your eyes saw my unformed body. And he went on to say, The days that you ordained for me were written in your book before even one came to be. And so we know that even in our mother's womb, we are precious in the eyes of God. And how can we expect God to continue to bless our country when we're killing hundreds and thousands, millions of babies every year? And so this is not a political stance. This is a biblical Christian stance that we are to count life as precious to God. We certainly think about a baby. We think about someone middle-aged, a teenager. We think about old age. We are all precious in his sight. And so we must pray that God would forgive us, that we would repent. Remember what was said in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen: if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Did you know the reason the Lord hadn't come back yet? He's waiting for us to repent, to turn away from our wickedness and our deeds of darkness that are so prevalent in our world today. And you know what I read many years ago? If we don't stand up for something, we'll fall for anything. So it's time for Christians to stand up, speak the truth in love. We'll never reach anybody by telling them how terrible they are. You know, I've met with women through the years who were grieving and felt guilt of committing abortions when they were young. Young, scared, and didn't know what else to do. And you know what? I prayed with them. And I told them God loved them. And that God forgave them. We can't go back and change the past. We can only move forward with God's help and with God's mercy and God's grace. 
and say, God loves you and he forgives you. I've met with men who felt guilt of killing people in Vietnam who couldn't handle the guilt of those they killed while in service. We all carry tremendous guilt in our lives when we've done things that have made us feel uncomfortable or maybe we did not necessarily want to do, but situations placed us in a moment where we made a decision that maybe we would not have done otherwise. But just like I told that lady and I tell you, God loves you, but we have a responsibility as Christians to stand up for life because Jesus gave his life for you and me. But so we are to wake up from our spiritual complacency. We are to wash up and then we are to wise up. We are to wise up. In verse 12, Paul said, and put on the armor of light. In verse 14, therefore clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ so you will not think about how to gratify your sinful nature. Did you know that we are to put on the armor of light? If you want to look, we talked about a few weeks ago, Ephesians chapter 6, the, the full armor of God, so that not if, but when the day of evil comes, we'll be able to take our stand, and after we've done everything, to stand. But then we know also that, that we are to clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, clothe yourself with the fruits of light, which consist of goodness and righteousness and truth. And then Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if we say we are a Christian and if we're a follower of Jesus, we can no longer walk in the darkness. We must walk in the light as he is in the light. So my prayer for you today, if you don't know Jesus what are you waiting for? If you're waiting to get your act together, to get your house in order, to, to, to work out this, to work out that, the devil is using procrastination to keep you from doing what the Lord wants you to do today. What is the wise thing? I, I told you Andy Stanley wrote a book years ago called The Best Question Ever, and it was based out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He said the best question possibly ever is what is the wise thing for me to do? Is the wise thing for you to do today is to leave here without knowing Christ? Or is the wise thing for you to do is to leave here knowing Christ personally? Knowing that if you were to end up in a, unfortunate accident or an unforeseen issue that you would have eternal life waiting for you. There's either eternal death or eternal life. That's the two choices.
What's the wise thing for you to do? Would the wise thing for you to do as a Christian to say, I've been off track. I've not set a good example for my children through my mouth or through the things that I say or the things that I do, but I want to repent and turn away. I was living like this. I have a change of heart, change of mind, change of direction. I want them to see Jesus living in me. I'm clothing myself with the Lord Jesus Christ and putting off the deeds of darkness. Or maybe you're here today and you've been looking for a church. This is a wonderful church, not a perfect church. And there's a lot of wonderful people. And we've lost a lot of wonderful people in recent times. And we need people to step up and to say, you've lost a lot of servants in this church. What can I do to help? What can I do to stand in the gap? What can I do to make a difference for Jesus? Would you today be willing to make a commitment to say, the wise thing for me to do is to get my life in order with Jesus because of his mercy and his grace, I want to live for him who is willing to die for me. Could you do that even now as we pray together? Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment. Lord, I always want to speak the truth in love. I never want to come across as judgmental or without concern. Father, I always want to Speak only what you put on my heart to share, that it would be received, God, well. And Lord, I pray today if there's a man, a woman, a young person that's never given their heart and life to you, that they might come to know Jesus even today. It would be my privilege to pray with them to get that journey started. Father, I pray if there are folks that are Christians that have maybe gotten away from living the truth in their lives, and they've become worldly. And they're living like the rest of the world. We are to be sanctified. We are to be cleansed. We are to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. How are we going to reach the lost and hurting when they don't see us living out our faith? Lord, I pray if there are people looking for a church home today, this is a wonderful church with so many wonderful people and a, a wonderful staff, God, and we want to minister to them and love one another and hold each other accountable and build each other up. Lord, just give us the boldness today to come and do what we know your Spirit is leading us to do, and we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand right now if you're in this place, and we're going to sing a hymn of commitment. Won't you place your trust in the only one who can save you and change you?
Amen. I want to thank you so much for being here today and allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place. I know this is a fall break for a lot of folks, but thank you all for coming. Please know that we still have uh, our discipleship classes meeting tonight. Our children's choir also will have uh, coffee and connections with Kelly and me in the lobby of the children's wing if you want to come and, and talk with us and some others. And then don't forget about Wednesday night is our prayer service at 6, a meal at 5 o'clock. There's a sign-up sheet. We have some great prayer meetings and great times of fellowship around the table. And I guess you all saw if you get our newsletter that on October 16th, we're going to have big true gladness, big true gladness. We're starting the 830 service back on that day on October 16th. So you know what that means. I want you all to come down. You got to be wide awake, <laughs> smiling, singing, talking, just enjoying the day. And let's fill this place up twice on Sundays. There's room for you to invite friends and neighbors and co There's plenty of room. And watch what God will do. I'm excited. Be in prayer for big, true gladness. Go, big, true. Go, okay. <laughs> Bill, if you would close us in a song. And I'm going to invite you after the service to come by um, to see Bryson Dempsey and Hayden Wilson, the two, young, two of the young men that were baptized, that was their public profession of faith. And they're going to be joining me out in the foyer. Make sure you welcome them. Of course, we've already celebrated with the Bibb family. We're so grateful for you all's decisions. Well, thank you for being here. Know how much God loves you, and I love you too as we sing. in the bond of love we can agree to disagree and we can still love each other but father may we always be true to your word in jesus name amen, amen.